Hey everyone, we got a great episode ahead of us with Debbie Milliken from Iolani School talking to us about school gardens, how to, what not to, and also how do we incorporate science into our garden education. Aloha and welcome to the Science Hawaii podcast, your station for all things science and education in Hawaii, brought to you by the Hawaii Science Teachers Association. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us all about what you do at Iolani uh, with garden and other kind of education stuff. Okay, well, aloha. My name is Debbie Milliken, um, and I teach at Iolani School in Honolulu. And I also support the Wahoo Farm to School Network, which is um, a loose set of organizations that support school garden and farm to school activities in our schools in Hawaii, public, private, and independent. Oops, I forgot. Public, private, and charter schools. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, Don't forget about the charter schools. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, for me as a scientist, raised as a scientist and didn't do my schooling in science, science is understanding the world around us, particularly the natural world and making sense of it. And so the more we get young children out in the garden, outdoors and experiencing and, and, and making observation or kilo of nature and what nature is doing and then trying to explain it, that's science. What better place than that living laboratory that we have? Um, for most campuses, a school garden would serve that living laboratory, but oftentimes we take students off campus on field trips where they get an opportunity to do that. So that's what I'm really passionate about is setting up and making those opportunities available for our youth to engage with the natural world. And you know, also that engagement of their natural curiosity and wonder that children have at a very young age. We all were born with it, I believe really strongly in that, and you see it. And so making sure that we provide those nurturing, caring environments for them to continue to foster those, that curiosity and questioning. What would be like the normal um, interaction with you and students besides COVID, right? Now everything's a little different, but before that, what would be like a typical field trip or learning experience that you would be involved in? You know, again, bringing these young, let's talk about kindergarten. So, you know, as a kindergartner who is, they're, they're going to be active. And like we talked about, they're curious. And so they're in the classroom and you're like, okay, it's time to go outside. And, you know, they line up and we walk out to the garden, wherever it happens to be. And all of a sudden, you know, you can watch it happen. They are bombarded with new sensory opportunities because in the classroom, they're predominantly using maybe two senses. They're listening and they're using their sight. But now that they're outside, they're experiencing this incredible sensory overload. And it's just fun to watch them come into this new space with that, you know, um, attention to it. And, okay, so they'd come out and we might usually we try to do garden agreements because now we're in a, a different classroom. So we want to make sure that we're behaving respectfully and being able to encourage learning in this different environment. We will often do observations, take a couple minutes, depending on the age, spend some time observing the plants or the living creatures that you see in the garden. And then there will be a lesson. So there might be a focus on plant parts. So today we're gonna really discover the roots and how, how the roots help support the plants to bring nutrients up to the leaves and for the plant to grow and thrive. And then I love tastings. I mean, why not use that sense, right, of taste? and. And that's really what most garden educators and science teachers who use the garden will do because we're talking about food, but we're also talking about science and we're talking about sense making. What is it that you like the most about, you know, gardens and getting students outdoors? Like what, 
what brings you joy in doing all this work? Wow, there's a lot. Thank you. Great question. There's lots of things. Just thinking about it brings me so much joy. My favorite responses from kids have been, wow, I never knew lettuce could taste so good or tatsoi or whatever it is they're tasting for the very first time. That same experience brings me joy when they might hold a, a red wiggler for the first time because we're investigating composting. It's it's getting them over that little edge of perhaps, you know, fear or you know, anxiety about something. And then all of a sudden they're just thriving and that child is now the one digging for the worms in the garden, you know? So to me, that brings me a lot of joy, giving them that opportunity to to make those connections. Oh gosh, it sounds so much fun. Um, so we don't have much of a garden program here at Farrington, um, which is, you know, a little bummer, but that's something that would be so great, not only because it gets people outdoors, which there's so much uh, research about literally the act of being in nature outside, breathing fresh air and what that does for your learning. But also there is content specific learning that can happen in a garden. Um, I'm curious, what is your experience with doing garden education with higher grades, middle school, high school? Do you even go past high school? Like, what is that educational experience like? Great. Um, so I now, I currently teach a class for middle school, seventh and eighth grade at Iolani. This semester, each semester that I teach it, it, we focus on a slightly different topic. This semester has been about food systems, in particular, how to define or, or what does a sustainable community food system look like? And because COVID has presented so many challenges for us in terms of our food system in Hawaii. We had some rich work to do in the beginning. But once we um, returned to campus, that was when we were able to all of a sudden, okay, what does this really mean? Where is our food coming from? How is it grown? Um, and so we were able to use the school gardens for that. So in the nice thing about in middle and high school is that you can have that bigger picture, if you will, of looking at systems around food or nutrition, um, economy, it can be, you can take it in so many directions, but yet still have the act of planting a seed in the soil, which I think is really exciting and makes it, it makes it fun. And maybe it sounds more intellectual to us, but you know, it really is that idea of bringing these middle school young minds to making, you know, to the higher order thinking, I guess, if you will, but being able to contextualize it by physically harvesting food that you know, we're talking about farmers harvesting food and then they're actually going to get to do it. Yeah, these students can not only deal with these big ideas, but they're all grounded, like literally yeah, grounded literally. in the earth um, in their direct experience. I think that's, I mean, that's like exactly what I want to do. Um, if I were a teacher who wants to do this kind of stuff, just like maybe there's some teachers who are listening to our podcast who are say, yeah, I want to do some garden stuff. Like how would, how would a teacher start that? A science teacher at a, you know, an elementary school, middle school, high school, maybe their school has a garden, maybe it doesn't. Um, where do they start? Good question. That's like the million dollar question with the million answers because yeah, it, that, the cool <laughs> part about this is everyone gets to create their own situation and it can be very unique to the work you do. So I would suggest asking first, kind of the purpose or the mission behind wanting to to do your garden, to create your garden, if that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And then think, and that will probably bring up for you content of your public school standards. Um, and then the, the physical space of creating your garden, you'll want to look at the maintenance, how 
And that will determine or help you determine how large it can be or how small. And you've got to get buy-in from your administration is key, your facilities, so grounds. It's it's a whole thing in and of itself. But um, what's the best advice? Wow, don't give up. Um, <laughs> you know, um, starting small. In order to, to have that buy-in, what I've seen work really well is, of course, the meaning and purpose behind what you're doing. Not just, oh, we want to plant some plants for the sake of having a garden, but really connect it to what you're working on. And those can be the fun, challenging times. I remember years ago, some teachers, uh, I think it was first grade, were like, well, how can we possibly connect gardening to fairy tales? And of course, my mind is racing and I'm trying, I'm excited. I'm like, I can think of 5,000 ways right now, <laughs> you know? So I guess knowing that you can always find a connection. Yeah, I, I like that you're starting with the why, not just the what, you know, you know, yes, you can have a garden and yes, there's lots of benefits to students gardening and being in the dirt and being outside, but also it's the why. What is the bigger picture for those students, for the community, for the teachers? I love yeah, that. You're um, right. It's the why. Why am I doing this? Yep. Yeah. What are some of the biggest obstacles or mistakes that teachers, students, administration, community, what like when they're trying to have a successful school garden program, what are the biggest roadblocks and obstacles for them? I guess I would say this is going to be kind of an interesting answer. It may seem like that the roadblock is or the challenge is that, well, we had a thriving garden and now no one's taking care of it anymore. And it's almost as if it feels like it was um, a failure. And so I think you need to overcome that obstacle. Like one should never feel that just because the garden is no longer as it was before that we've somehow failed. Instead, I, I, my colleague on Maui, I love when he says, you know, you, you really learn or you really support and connect with what you start. So I often think, you know, overcome that barrier of feeling as if because it was already started, we can't do it again, or it's, you know, it's failed in some way, just get started. And and go with it and allow your passion to fuel and don't look back or feel guilty because things aren't, you know, there's weeds or whatnot. I mean, all of those experiences are learning opportunities for your students. I think also from my experience, because I grew up on a farm and I've done gardening. I also, I just finished uh, Fukuoka's book, One Straw Revolution, which is what, like 50 years old now, that book. Uh But a farmer in natural farming or uh, permaculture would just call that, um, you know, letting your field go fallow and, you know, regain nutrients, maybe. So maybe if there's a garden at a school that hasn't been used in five years or 10 years, and it's just a bunch of weeds, instead of looking at that as a failure, looking at as, oh, we're letting the, the ground rest a little. Exactly. Maybe. <laughs> it's just a, a, a different mindset. But I like that, too, because yes, things fail or fall short of what maybe you thought it was. But having a mindset of creation and creativity. What can we create together? How can we solve these problems? Those are great opportunities for students to be creative as well. Absolutely. Oh, I love and it. definitely think in a temporal sense because, you know, yes, gardens can be forever, what, what not, but, you know, why not plan it out? We have a season of growth. So let's have the garden growing from September to December. We harvest, we celebrate. And as you said, give the garden a rest and be happy with that. Why not? <laughs> You'd mentioned the growing season. I'm very curious what in your experience grows best in student gardens at schools. Like if we're having a school garden, what kind of things grow most successfully with students and the like? Um, so I would have to say the most success is going to be 
the desirable crops or things to grow. Because, and I say that because, well, first of all, you know, there's so many climates in Hawaii where you, it's hard to answer one in particular because it kind of depends on where you're at. Um, a wetter climate might do much better with or not growing things that can, um, you know, get powdery mildew, for example. Um, a drier area might do other things better. But but really the plants that, that do the best are the ones where everyone's like, oh my gosh, we just want to eat these tomatoes so bad or, you know, what? And so that's why they're nurturing those particular varieties. But, you know, what you see a lot are tomatoes, basils, eggplant do really well in Hawaii. They like the hot temperatures. Squashes do well, pumpkins. I still think they do well when you've made a connection to them, right? So back to that fairy tale story, like the kids just wanted to nurture these beans because we were growing the beans that we were trying to figure out which beans Jack had used in his bean stocks, you know, in the story. And so we had selected a bunch of heirloom varieties from the seed catalog and decided we were going to compare six different varieties and see if they aligned with the fairy tale story. <laughs> so then the beans did really well that year. Gosh. But if we were growing them and no one really cared about the beans, they weren't going to do very well. That is That's so funny. exciting. Oh my gosh, fairy tales and gardening. <laughs> But I know you're, you're asking the question um, to try to get out what things to grow. That's, yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of different foods grow in Hawaii school gardens. No, I think what you said is really important and key is finding out what the students or what the community wants to grow. Yeah. What's the connection between school cafeterias and gardens? How's Great. that going? Glad, glad you asked. So we just finished our second pilot. The first pilot was with two schools, and now we've expanded to 10 schools on uh, Maui, Hawaii Island, Kauai, and Oahu, <laughs> where this, we have created a statewide plan for school gardens to grow food in, specifically for their cafeteria, where you students are growing safely, we provide the parameters for that um, and the guidelines. They're harvesting and they're delivering it to the school cafeteria in exchange for often materials or, or supplies. And that's being served in the National School Lunch Program. Super exciting. I don't recommend it for every school. I, there's a lot of um, paperwork, some logs and, and lots of some training that you need to go through. Well, what schools do you recommend it for? Like if a school wanted to do it, like who... Like, why is it going to work at certain schools and maybe right? Not it others? would work really well at a school that has a commitment, a buy-in from the administration, from the facilities, and then of course from the cafeteria, because it is going to be a bit of work on their end to deal with uh, incoming produce. That you know, there's going to be a little bit more time that they'll need to communicate with the garden educator. You'll need to identify a specific garden team leader for the gardens cafeteria program. Um, and, the, and the garden should be well established and have some safety protocols in place and be willing to implement the remaining safety protocols that we are requiring for the program. I especially think of things that come to mind like rat lungworm. Like that's the first thing that comes to exactly. mind. Exactly. Like, uh -oh. So DOE, by the way, I just wanted to mention that this garden to cafeteria statewide program for public schools requires the DOE to, um, to sign off on. The plan is also available for independent and charter schools who are or serve as their own school food um, authority so they can make decisions using the plan if they'd like. For all schools, we would highly recommend that they follow. We have a the, the Hawaii Farm to School who has a school garden safety manual where we lay out um, suggestions in there for, for gardening and harvesting safely with kids. And that is going to be revamped this summer with a Youth Summer Development Institute where, we'll, where we will be creating 
a better school garden safety manual to share out with the community to use. So all schools, regardless of whether you're serving in the cafeteria or not, can be growing and, and harvesting safely and tasting. Yes, <laughs> I love it. That's so exciting. Um, it just makes me want to like get going. Uh, but there's this big roadblock for me right now and probably a lot of other educators. And that's um, COVID and schools are closed. Um, but even when there wasn't COVID, there was summer break, fall break, weekends. How do successful garden programs at schools manage when there aren't a lot of students on campus. Whoever is the garden educator or the teachers who are bought into the school garden program at the school are not going to be available during those breaks, then we put the garden beds to rest. The best way to do that, I mean, it can vary on, depending again on where your school is located. If you're not going to be receiving a lot of water over the summer, it'd be good to cover it maybe with a nice thick um, set of mulch or some type of burlap or something that kind of protects the soil. <clears throat> when I was at Waikiki School, uh, we found parents and community members willing to come by and, and water. Um, some school garden programs have established irrigation systems that are going to run through those long breaks. But even if you can't irrigate, you can always revive your soil. It may not be as ideal, but you can always come back in the fall and that can be the first lesson. How do we revive our soil? Let's get out there, you guys. And kids get in the soil and they check it out and they're feeling it and smelling it and realizing, um, you know, what kinds of things they could add that they need. It's always going to be compost, of course, but, you know, having them go through that process is really fun. As far as COVID, what we're finding, and we've been running a, a what we call a school garden talk story during this time to connect with educators. And we're seeing that, you know, they're get, having some success, varied success with sending their students home with home garden kits, some seeds, some soil. We're doing this at Iolani as well, even though we're back in school, but um, we were able to do it in the spring when kids were at home through distance learning and make connections through what they're growing at home. Then it's exciting because you're now you're involving the family in that process of growing food. And um, some of the kids were even starting compost piles or getting worms going. You know, there isn't really any one answer for those breaks, what you're asking. I've also seen programs like Waikiki is year round. So there's a paid garden educator during the summer. So they're, we, they were able to grow food and deliver it to the community all summer long, even during COVID. I, I guess it's taking the learning home is not impossible for garden education. That's for, yeah. that's for sure. And we're ready for another rapid fire round where I will ask you some random questions just to see what you answer. And yeah, it'll be fun. Here we go. The first question is, what is your favorite vegetable? Back to it. Ooh, how about your favorite vegetable to grow? Uh, tomatoes. Oh, I love tomatoes. Do you have any pets? I don't, but I wish I did. Just your plants, just your plants. They're on all the little the little worms and the bugs and everything living in it. Yep. The the worms <laughs> and the bugs. Got it. Thinking about school, when you were a student, what was the worst grade you ever got? Oh, by? are you serious? How am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I tell my students today, it sounds really weird, but at the school, in particular in high school, it was not cool to be smart. So I would purposefully dumb things down sometimes. So yeah, I did get a B. It was pretty bad. I'm sure I have a C in there, but I remember I remember having to do it purposefully. <laughs> oh no, we gotta make it cool to be smart, to like do well in school. Okay, that's good. And then your favorite place to go and relax. Well, it has to be the ocean. It's been a lot of time surfing. 
swimming in the ocean. Yeah, the ocean, just even the sound of the ocean. People across the world just use that to so go to sleep true. at night. <sighs> okay, well, the last kind of questions I have then is what do you feel like the future of garden education and science in gardens looks like? I really think there's a place and opportunity right now, especially as we bring our kids back to school. They need that connection, that nurturing space and environment. I'm part of the Hawaii School Peace Gardens movement and building these, and we can designate any garden or any space on a campus for peace. So it isn't like a separate place. It's often where food is being grown, but a place where kids can feel safe, safe to talk to one another, safe to connect, safe to dig in the soil. This is what we need. And I think, you know, this is where it's going. I mean, COVID has brought that to light. You hear people talking all the time. Oh, now we've had time to garden at home and grow food. And I definitely see that schools are catching on and are going to put time and energy into these spaces on their campus, not just the physical space, but the the curricular space as well. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, I think it's great to hear that the gardens is not just about curriculum. It's not just about getting students outdoors. It's also about the social emotional learning and giving students a place to feel grounded, to feel safe, to feel um, welcome. And I think it's been amazing talking to you. And is there anything else you want to leave? Maybe some like links or some advice before we sure. end our the Hawaii conversation? Sure. The Hawaii Farm to School Hui has a website. That would be a great place for to start for those who are looking for more information on starting a school garden. The school garden safety manual is there as well as a poster. And stay tuned because there's another big grant up that just came through to um, – create learning guides for home environment. So we'll be getting those together this year and piloting it in the spring, which would be really exciting for our, our teachers of uh, upper elementary grades three to five in middle school. And they're science based, so it's gonna be super fun. That's awesome. It's something we haven't had available to us. Yeah, yeah. sounds so exciting. I'm definitely gonna um, put the link in the show notes so that anyone who's listening, they can just click in the description Great. and follow the link. Um, but thank you so much for talking. I feel energized already. I want to just go plant things already. But obviously, it's a it's a bigger process with a lot of collaboration and communication. And I just feel like I have a better plan personally uh, for the future. And I hope that people listening feel empowered just as much as I do. So thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. You're amazing. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. I'm like stoked now. But um, anyway, thank you so much for talking to me. And I will hopefully catch you later, sooner than later, hopefully, if this COVID thing Sounds wraps great. up soon. Thank you.